We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yo, Holmes! Lawrence Holmes. Holmes runs it really well. Noon to two. Holmes doing what Holmes does. On Sports Radio 670 The Score. Yo, Holmes! And 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. Color analyst for the White Sox, Steve Stone, joins Lawrence Holmes. Try it with your bare hand. It's a lot easier that way. Steve Stone is a Cy Young Award winner. He is a fantastic color analyst for your Chicago White Sox, and he is a score baseball expert. As Steve was saying, try it with your bare hand. It's a lot easier that way. Steve actually poked his bare hand in the booth and has cut himself open. Steve Stone talks with Lawrence Holmes. I'm about to pass out. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of blood. Social media got Steve Stone and Lawrence Holmes right now on The School. That's right. And Stoney joins me on the Circa Casino and Resort Hotline. The best sports book in the world. They've got the largest thing. you got the pool out there. It's awesome. You can have a really good time. If you're going to Las Vegas, you want to be at the Circa Casino and Resort Sports Book. Stoney, thanks for joining me. I know there was a quick turnaround for everyone to go from the night game to the day game this afternoon. So I'm glad that you had time to join us and talk a little White Sox baseball with me. Well, Lawrence, they changed the game because I think they realized that uh... – if it was a 6 o'clock game, it was probably going to be around, oh, I don't know, 34, 33 degrees. So they figured it's not going to be great at uh, at 1 o'clock, 110, but it's going to be about, oh, I don't know, 37, 38. So they felt that you get the game in then, you don't risk uh, having any rain or snow to go with those frigid temperatures. But uh, not the ideal weather to play baseball, especially when you're on an eight-game losing streak. No doubt about that, so I'm guessing that the window will be closed because I found out last night that there's a new rule in place for you. 43 degrees is now the cutoff, correct? Well, Jason likes the window open because uh, when you have the window closed, when you're a play-by-play guy, your voice bounces back to you, and play-by-play guys generally have great voices. They want to hear those melodious tones, and so uh, anything that interferes with that, by definition, is not particularly good. So uh, we'll be freezing in the booth. That's kind of the way this goes. And uh, hopefully I can uh, put on enough layers to be able to get through this one. And hopefully, even more important than that, uh, Dylan Cease has to uh, whip up a gem today because the way this offense is producing, it doesn't look like they're going to they're going to score eight or ten runs, but you never know. I mean, Granke is uh, is a terrific pitcher, but uh, maybe they'll wait back on some of the slow stuff and catch up to it. Let's talk about the offense. Inside the, the last six games, the team has averaged two runs uh, a game in the last six. 
What's wrong with the offense from your point of view? They're just not hitting the ball out of the ballpark consistently. That's a big factor. Uh, also, the guys who are uh, paid to get the job done are just not getting the job done. You know, I, I think everybody views uh, only hitters as going into slumps. They don't realize that pitchers go into slumps. And even more than that, uh, defenders go into slumps. There are fielding slumps, and apparently that's what the Sox are in. So it's compounded when you're not scoring a lot of runs. Then every mistake you make is uh, compounded and certainly illuminated. And that's what happened. It seems like every time the Sox make a mistake, the opposition jumps on it, and uh, you wind up down in the game. And because there is no offense to speak of, they're not able to come back. So, you know, just as, as easily as it comes, it goes away. And the Sox are waiting for that. But I think it all starts with Dylan Cease having a good ball game today because uh, we talked about it last night. There are closers. We know that that's Liam Hendricks. And there are stoppers. And stoppers are your starting pitchers who whip up a gem when the team really needs it. And I would say the Sox right now really need this one. Is there any commonality to how pitchers are getting Sox hitters out? I don't think so. I, I think that they're not doing anything different than they've done. You know, everybody has a vast library of video on every one of these hitters. And conversely, all the hitters have a vast video on all these pitchers. So you know the tendencies. You know where they like to go. You know where the, where the hot spots are and the soft spots are. And when you're making your pitches, you get hitters out. When you're not making your pitches, you don't. Uh, Dallas Keuchel's going through a, a period where he's just – He's not making the pitches he has to make. There was five walks last night. Uh, once again, he was victimized by a defense that wasn't great. But you can't walk five guys if you're not going to strike out a whole lot of people. And Dallas is not going to strike out a whole lot of people now, compounded by getting shut out. You know, I, I kind of have to laugh because uh, I, uh, as you know, I, I'm on Twitter a lot. And I'm taking a look at the reactions of some of the fans. And some of the reactions are truly almost laughable. Like, these guys are giving up. They don't look lively. They look like they're quitting. I haven't seen a ball club get shut out that looks really lively. If you don't get a lot of hits where you can run the bases, uh, you're not going to look all that lively. And the people who are saying that are people who don't understand the game of baseball or the professional athlete. These guys got here to the highest level because they're wonderfully competitive. These guys have beaten the opposition at every level to get to the highest level, which is the major leagues. They're not quitting. They're trying as hard as they possibly can. And sometimes, like in every facet of life, as hard as you try, you can't get it done. And for a short period of time, for eight games here, they're just not getting it done. Just as quickly as it came, it can turn around, and hopefully it does that. But it's not for lack of effort. It's not for lack of hustle. It's not for lack of desire. These guys have all of that. They're just not playing real well right now. It's as simple as that. That really is the explanation to every facet of the White Sox game at this point. They're just not doing it real well. Stoney, take me into the mind of the athlete and the pitcher in particular. With Dallas, the last couple of starts that he's had, there have been defensive issues. How do you think that affects him? And what were the things that you did as a pitcher to safeguard yourself when the defense wasn't particularly good behind you? Well, you have to keep telling yourself to just make your pitches because that's the only thing you have control over. And for Dallas, he's not going to strike out a lot of guys. So 
Dallas, probably more than any other starter on this team, certainly, he has to have defense behind him because there's going to be a lot of balls in play. Specifically, with his changeup and with his sinker, he's going to let a, gr- a lot of gr- he's going to get a lot of ground balls. They have to be fielded. When you have a chance to turn a double play, you have to turn it. When you have a chance to get an out as the first out of the inning, you have to get the out. And when it's not happening and you're not striking out a whole lot of guys, then you fall into a rut. So I think when you take a look at Kansas City, take a look at that ball club. Is it a great ball club? No, it's not. But it's an improved ball club, and Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be, he's going to be a terrific player. But you take a look at the defense all the way around, and they've got some gold gloves. Uh, Salvi Perez behind the plate's a gold glover. Benintendi's a gold glover. They have guys who can go get it. Mondesi is a terrific shortstop. But they've made three errors this year. Kansas City catches the baseball. And as we've seen, the Sox have not been catching the baseball. They've They've committed 20 errors. They've played 16 games. Uh, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not a mystery as to, you know, why they've come on a short end of a lot of these because when they have double plays they need to turn, they haven't. When they have baseballs they need to catch, they haven't. Uh, I assume that's going to go away. I'd like to think that it, it will. And when it does, the team will look a whole lot better. You brought up earlier this week that with the shortened spring training, it doesn't give as much time to get stuff like defense together. I'm curious, what can happen inside of a season to make a defense better? I think you just have to go out there and do the same things that you always do and just bear down and concentrate on a given play. In other words, if you're an infielder, you have to visualize the ball coming to you in a certain place. If it comes to you, that's fine. You're prepared for it. If it doesn't, well, then you do the same thing the next play. You can't afford to have your mind wander at all. I think it's just a question of seeing the play, anticipating the play, being ready for the play to come to you, and that's how you prepare every pitch. The pitcher has to prepare every pitch. We talk about breaking the hole down to its simplest parts, and that's one pitch at a time. So a pitcher has to concentrate. His whole being, his whole universe is on that one pitch. All of his concentration, all of his intensity, all of his visualization comes on one pitch. And the same thing with defenders. If you're playing left field, you have to visualize that ball coming to you. The ball is going to slice or hook to the line. If it's a right-hand hitter, the ball hooks to the line. If it's a left-hand hitter, the ball slices to the line. But the ball will come out to you in left field and move toward the line. You have to be prepared for that. You have to be prepared every pitch to have the ball hit to you. If you prepare mentally before the fact, you won't be surprised when the ball does come to you. And you have to just continue to bear down on a daily basis. These guys are better than they've played or they wouldn't be here. So now they have to show the opposition that uh, that they're better than they're than they've been playing. And one of the keys to this is going to be score some runs on a given day. I mean, if you're always one to nothing, two to nothing, two to one, then everything, every pitch is the World Series. Every play is the be-all and end-all. And so this is really nothing that maybe five, six, seven runs couldn't cure. They have to just go and put them on the board in, in a given day, and that's that's what it's going to take, I think, to get out of this. A well-pitched game and a lot of offense, and then start thinking about 
the team is better than it's shown because it, it's shown that it uh, it's not playing very well. But I view this as just a slump, and I think they'll get out of it. Last night's game was particularly hard to consume because you had the White Sox offense not working and you had the pitching staff walk the yard. I I don't know if I'm always trying to figure out like is there anything that can be done about that but we're talking about a bunch of different pitchers it wasn't just Dallas who was walking people yesterday but when you see a team that other than Michael Taylor was patient enough to take its walks what does that tell you about what the pitching approach should be going forward in the series well Lawrence these guys aren't trying to walk people these guys are trying to get people out but sometimes the best you can do is not good enough, and that's exactly what's happening. But you're, when you're looking at what's happening to the White Sox, you're looking at a typical anatomy of a team-wide slump. When you're getting decent pitching, you're not getting hitting. When you're getting some hitting, you're not getting pitching. When you're getting pitching and hitting, you're not getting defense. When you're getting a good aspect of the game, your base running betrays you. And this has been a team-wide slump. But the people who believe this isn't a good team because they're going through a situation here where uh, things are really tough, I think they're short-selling these guys. I mean, again, we talk about this, but the people don't seem to be able to accept the fact that Harrison just came back. So to expect him to have big offensive night after missing a few days is unrealistic. Hopefully things get better for him. Pollock has not had a hit since he's come back off the IL. You have Eloy out now for six to eight weeks. Robert might come back today. No Moncada, which doesn't uh, doesn't give you that left-handed bat as a switch hitter that you really need against right-handed starters. And understand something about our division. Our division, except for Detroit, has all right-handed starters. I'm not sure there's too many left-handed starters in any rotation, which means it would be helpful if you had a little more left-handed hitting in your lineup. But this is a right-hand hitting White Sox lineup. So guys with very good sliders and curveballs, right-handed starters, of which the Central has a plethora of, you're not going to have that big an advantage over them. But it doesn't help to have Moncada out of the lineup. And so that's what they have to play through. This is an inordinate amount of early season injuries. A lot of your team is down. Luke is coming back is a good thing. We obviously miss Crochet because he is a he's a star left-hander out of that bullpen. We're not going to have him for the remainder of this year. But injuries have really taken its toll, and they're starting to pile up. And then all of a sudden you go on the road, you see Harrison go down against Cleveland, You see Aloy go down for an extended period of time. You see Robert go down, but he's going to come back here maybe today. So these injuries have really hurt the ball club. And, you know, if you look at the starting lineup, this was not even close to the starting lineup that Rick Hahn envisioned when the season started. That being said, the guys who are currently in this lineup and on the bench are going to have to get out of this because nobody's going to help you. In the White Sox lineup today, it's Anderson, Vaughn, Sheets, Abreu, Grandal, Berger, Reese McGuire, Adam Engel, and Danny Mendick. I love Andrew Vaughn batting second. And because he's been one of your more consistent hitters, I feel like that's a really good place for him. I know that you're high on, on Andrew Vaughn. Like you think that, that he's got a lot of talent. What are the things that you see that, that give you that confidence that he can take that next step 
in his development? I see very few times does he get out in front of pitches. Very few times do you see him move his hands before the ball gets there. So the balance is outstanding. And when a guy has that kind of balance, he's going to be able to hit. Andrew can drive the ball to right and right center field. He can pull the ball. Just a question of him getting consistent at bats. This is not, as we know, this is not the best hitting weather in the world. And hitters don't really like to hit in this weather because you get jammed with an inside pitch. You're going to feel that for a couple of at-bats later. I always enjoyed cold weather because hitters hated it. So for me, I thought it was a big advantage, and I was born and raised in Cleveland where we played a lot of games in the cold weather in the early spring. This particular spring is dragging out a bit longer than we would like. Baseball Mm -hmm. wasn't made to be played in 34-degree weather, but that's what we have here in Chicago. Uh, We had that in Cleveland. We had that in Minneapolis. So that's just the way the early season shakes out. You're not going to be able to do anything about it, so you have to live with it. And I remember Roger Craig years ago telling his San Francisco Giants when they played in Candlestick Park, he goes, guys, the opposition hates to play here. Let's make it a plus for us. So it's just a question of taking the elements out of the equation and bearing down on each and every pitch. But Andrew Vaughn is going to be a star hitter. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, When you draft a guy with the third pick in the first round, you have a feeling that he's going to be a really good player. He also won the Golden Spikes Award, which is the best college player in the country in any given year. That was Andrew Vaughn. So you know he's a smart guy. He was out of Cal Berkeley. They don't give degrees away there. They don't let you in if you're not if you're not a pretty smart person. And so you couple that with tremendous hands, great balance, and I don't think he can do anything but hit. But I'd like to see some consistent weather for these guys to hit. We just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's a really strange quirk in the White Sox schedule that they don't go west of Minnesota until the middle of May, and they don't go south, and it's very strange. Like they're they're going to play six, seven weeks in cold weather, and I mean that that's no one's fault. It's just a really strange phenomenon and quirk inside of their schedule. Well, unfortunately, you know you have to play what you have, and and that's exactly what the Sox have this year. So. Couple that with inordinately cold weather, and it becomes a situation that's very difficult for hitters. But our pitchers have to take advantage of that. I'm looking for a good outing today from Dylan Cease. He's been throwing it real well. Last time out, he didn't have his best stuff. When that happens, he usually follows it up with a pretty good ball game. And so we'll just have to see how he fares today. But I'm thinking that uh, he's going to go out against Granke and against these Kansas City Royals and do a pretty nice job. And Hopefully the Sox can get over this uh, malaise. You know, when they were 6-2, and two, uh, there's a lot of folks that looked at that, as I looked at that, they won every series, and uh, people didn't say that Tony was by it. Let's get rid of Tony when they were 6-2. and two. Now you lose eight games in a row and everybody's saying, we have to make a change. We have to change the front office. We have to change the dugout. We have to change all the coaches. I mean, it's an overreaction to a very short period of time, a time that has spanned 16 games. So hopefully this team can turn it around. You don't change anybody. You stay the course. And these guys that won 93 games last year, it's largely the same guys, except it's a better bullpen this year than it was last year. we got to get Joe Kelly back. That'll be a big factor in the pen. And, you know, slowly but surely, the guys who've been injured will come back. I would love to see a full complement of players. We're just not going to see that for a while. 
Is there a point where even you might be worried about what's going on with the team? Well, it's a long way from now, I will tell you that. I still look, it's two and a half games out of first place. Minnesota is in first place. You know, when when we started the Minnesota series, uh, they were in last place. And they won five games in a row, and they're in first place. So, you know, at 9-8, and eight, not running away from the division, this division I don't think has a team capable of running away, except if if our boys get things together, I think they are capable with the talent on this team of of running away with it. But when you look at the lineup and you realize, just in your own mind, realize what the lineup was supposed to look like and realize what it looks like now, and it's just not the same lineup. So the guys that are coming off the bench, guys that should have been role players, now are playing every day, these are the guys that have to do it. I really like the way Berger is hitting the baseball. I mean, he almost hit one out of the ballpark, but for the wind blowing in and the temperatures last night and had two other hits. So Jake is swinging it pretty well. And hopefully that will be a springboard for the rest of these guys to start swinging the bat. Uh, One of the things that they've adopted this year, Lawrence, is they're a much more aggressive team, which means they're swinging early in the count pretty much all the time. I don't mind swinging early in the count, but don't swing early at the count at a pitcher's pitch because – he knows that you're anxious. He knows that you're geared up for the first pitch. He's not going to give you something good to hit. And so when that happens, number one, you don't work him. You don't walk as much as you should. If you don't walk, then you've got to get three hits usually to score a run. Usually every big rally has a couple of walks in it. If you're not getting those walks, then you have to really start to hit. I'd like to see a couple of guys be a little more patient, but – you know, that hasn't been the offense this year. Stoney, stay warm today. Hopefully we're, we're talking about some White Sox wins the next time we get a chance to chat. You got Cease and Kopech going in back-to-back games, and uh, right now, uh, along with Lucas, that, that's a pretty good twosome. They've got great stuff, and hopefully what they can do is control the runners for Kansas City. If you don't allow the runners to get on base, you're usually in pretty good shape against them because right now it's pretty difficult to get the ball out of the ballpark with these temperatures. There's no doubt about that. Stoney, as always, I appreciate the conversation. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Lawrence, take care. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.